looking at the contrasts of Christmas, we talked a couple weeks ago about the difference between uh, Jesus as king and Herod as king. We talked last week about the difference between the shepherds who were on the poor end of the economic scale and the wise men who were on the opposite end. This morning we're going to look at the third contrast of Christmas, and it's probably the most dramatic. And that's the contrast of God and man. And um, when we started, I, I, I told you that each gospel presents a different idea of Jesus, a different focus. Matthew, we're, we're talked about the birth of Jesus Christ because Matthew's presenting Jesus as king, and, and, and who a king parents are is important. So Matthew, it's important that Jesus' birth is mentioned in Matthew. Mark presents Jesus as a servant, and nobody cares when a servant's born. So Mark doesn't record anything about the birth of Jesus Christ. Luke gives us about this, the, the, the Christmas story because Luke presents Jesus as the, as the Son of Man. When we get to the Gospel of John, it's a little bit different because the focus of John is Jesus as God. So since God didn't, was not born, we don't have anything about the physical birth of, of Jesus, but we do have the fact about how God and man are tied together. So in essence, if you would, in a, in a backhanded way, we have the significance of Jesus being tied to God in the Gospel of John. And that's where we're going to start this morning. And we're going to look at this thing called the incarnation. Now here's what you should know right off the bat. You will not find the word incarnation in your Bible. Um, that's a theology word. It's a word that means in the flesh. And it's found in John chapter 1, and it's found in Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at both of those passages this morning. And I'm going to try to, try to take this incredibly difficult concept and try to give you a little bit of framework around it for you to understand why this is so important. So uh, with that in mind, let's look at John chapter 1. And here's what, uh, actually, it was interesting. Chris read this this morning, uh, and we didn't collaborate. So it's a God thing. In the beginning was the Word. Now, this is talking about Jesus, and we could go into it in theology. There's this big parallel between Jesus and the Word and, and, and all that was involved in it, but here's what he says. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through, all him, uh, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light. So we're talking about John the Baptist now, who is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. You know the Christmas story about Elizabeth and Mary and, and how the children talked or knew about each other in the womb and all that kind of thing. And that's what he says. So through him, uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as witness to the light. So he's saying... John is the one who witnessed this. John's the one who, who made this known, who testified of this. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 9. <coughs> uh, got it, guys? Oop. Nine? Huh? There we are. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we're talking about Jesus now. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. 
children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. He said, you need to understand that Jesus is going to come to this earth. The earth's not going to recognize him. They're going to reject him. We know the story. We know how it ends. They put him on a cross. He goes into a tomb. He comes out alive. And he says right here, and this is the key, the word became flesh and was made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten, the, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He said, <clears throat> what Jesus did was the Word became flesh, and this is a very interesting idea, but he says he dwelt among us. Literally, the idea is tabernacle. It, it makes a reference to the Old Testament and the tabernacle and the Shekinah glory that would dwell there and the God's presence. In essence, he says what God did is God came and walked among us. And he, was, he, put, he purposely came and walked among us, and notice what he says. He said, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is the idea of the incarnation, that God came down and and dwelt in flesh among us. Um, And John lays all of this out for us in in John chapter 1, and there's all kinds of of significance and, and importance and theological stuff in this thing, but basically here's what he says. He said, God came down and tented among us. He came down and lived and walked just like we do. Now, Paul, when he's writing to the church at Philippi in the book of Philippians, expands on this idea. And he gives us a little more insight to it. So Philippians chapter 2. Philippians is a great book for how you should think. And one of the things in Philippians chapter 2 is is where you put your mind and where you put your focus and and not to worry and all this kind of stuff. But in Philippians chapter 2, he talks about this idea of servanthood. And he talks about this idea of, 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 come, of, of ministering to other people. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. He said, all right, I'm going to tell you how you treat each other. <clears throat> you have the same idea that Jesus had. And what was that? And he's going he's to illustrate it all now. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something used to his own advantage. He said... Jesus was God, and he came down here, and he didn't take advantage of being God. But he goes on, and he says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. You know what he's saying here? You want to know how you treat each other? You just go serve each other. He said, that's what God does. That's what Christmas is about, that Jesus came down to serve. Jesus came down to give his life. Jesus came down to say, you know what? I'm not going to hang on to this. I'm not going to hang on to this, uh, this God thing. I'm going to go down, and I'm going to walk among them, and I'm going to show them what it's like to live on this earth and how they should do it. And he says, going on, he said he humbled himself even uh, by becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is the incarnation. This is what he's talking about. Um, He says, look, he came to say, he humbled himself, he walked down here among us, Um, he lived among us, and here's why. God understands you can't reach people from a distance. You've got to be up close and personal. You think about how, those of you who are believers here this morning, you think about how you came to Christ. 
99% of you, you know what your story is? There was a person. There was somebody who was influential in you coming to Christ. Because you see, God chose to use people. I mean, think about it for a minute. God could have told the gospel story anyway in the world. He could have done it like he did to the shepherds, where, you know, every time God wants somebody to hear the gospel, an angel appears. God doesn't do that. He sends us. And that's why it was so important for Jesus when he looked at his disciples. He'd go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them, baptize them, let them know. Tell them what they need to know. Because God uses people. Notice what he, and he goes on to say this idea. He said that Jesus, he found, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Um, <clears throat> this is a hard concept for us to understand. And so I'm going to try to illustrate it this morning. Just don't take my illustration too far, okay? Because, you know, the problem with the illustration, is some, you're, you're, I'm trying to describe to you something that is a God concept that is bigger than our brains, right? And in our brains, we like to put God in these neat little packages and tie everything up and connect everything together and go, yee, I can understand it. God is not that simple, okay? So don't take this too far, but in essence, here's what he does. Um, in our house, um, this happened the other night, my wife was cold. Now, that doesn't happen very often in our house, but my wife was cold. So we were sitting here watching TV, and she got something to drink. She came back, and she came over and sat in my recliner chair with me. And she said, I'm cold and you're warm. <clears throat> and so I figured out now, if I turn the heat way, 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 way down. Um, no, um, <clears throat> no, no. So, but then what she did is she got up and she went over and her and she grabbed a blanket. We have these blankets. We have these, these, these throw things um, in, our, in our living room. And, so, and this happens to be mine. Well, it might be hers, but I claim this one more than often than not. Okay. So let me, let me use this to illustrate human flesh. Okay, so let this illustrate humanity or flesh. Oh, I have one up here. Thank you. Okay, good. Oh, that one looks cold, though. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to let this one represent human flesh. I'm not God, but for sake of illustration, okay, I want you to understand. So God says, I'm going to come to the earth, and I am going to wrap myself, okay, in human flesh, okay? So for sake of illustration here, I'm going to wrap myself in humanity. Now here's a question. What do you see? You see humanity. Have I changed? I mean, underneath here, it's still me. Okay? Have I changed? No. Am I still Jim? Yeah. Nothing's changed. But now I'm wrapped in something. Now think about this for a minute. Can I still do everything that I did before? Exactly. Yes and no. I can still talk. I can still run. Can I do a jumping jack? Not unless I put aside my humanity. At any moment, as God, at any moment, as God, Jesus could have said, I'm done with this. I'm not going, I'm not going to the cross. I'm not going to die. I'm God. I don't have to die. God doesn't die. I don't have to die. I don't have to do any of this. Then Scripture says he could have called a thousand angels at any moment. At any moment, he could have looked at the Father. Is that not his prayer in the garden? 
Father, if it be possible any other way, remove this cup of suffering from me. But if this is the only way, then not my will, but your will be done. So what happens is God, so God, who doesn't need to sleep, who never sleeps, now, because he has wrapped himself in humanity for the first time, is going to sleep. He's going to get tired at the end of the day. He's going to need to eat. He's going to need to go to the bathroom. He's going to need to wash his feet. He's going to actually understand what pain is. He's going to step on a rock that's sharp. Why? Because he wrapped himself in humanity to walk among us so he could understand. He didn't have to do any of that. But he did. That's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is of a God who loves us so much that he said, none of my creation is going to be able to look at me and say, you don't understand. You don't understand pain, because he does. You don't understand loneliness, because he does. You don't understand money problems, because he does. The Bible says he didn't have a house or, or he had a rock for a pillow. There's nothing that you experience that God, because he wrapped himself in flesh, has not experienced other than sin. And so he willingly goes to the cross because he took our place, because he came as one of us, 100% God, 100% man. And he lived among us to show us how, A, to live down here, and B, to be a sacrifice for us. And I want you to understand that this morning. Because if you have to understand that that was the only way. The only way for our sin to be taken care of was for God to come and be in our place as a man. So he leaves heaven, and for 33 years he walks wrapped in human flesh among us. He loved us that much. He was willing to serve that much. And that's the Christmas story couple of takeaways for us this morning and, and because of the day and and I know a lot of you got stuff going on and stuff like that so I don't I don't want to get I don't want this to be long this morning but I want it to be to the point so here we go a couple of couple of things to think about this week and today we spend a lot of time on the wrapping I want you to think about it for a minute Christmas day many of you are going to go to a tree and somebody's going to hand you a present and you're going to unwrap it now, I know there's probably one or two of you in here that you are super OCD and you spend a lot of time on the wrapping. But as a guy, don't care. You know what's important to me? What's inside, okay? All I care about are the tools that my family so lovingly bought me. Hint. Um, you know, I mean, all I care about is what's inside. I, what do I do with the wrapping? I throw it away. You have a soul. That's who you are. You know what's wrapped around it? Flesh. You know what's going to happen one day when you die? The flesh is going to go away. But your soul, what's inside? That's what's most important. That's who you are. You see me and you have an image of me because of what you see, because of the wrapping. 
this is not who I am. I have a soul, and every once in a while, it comes through. And you're able to see that in my actions and my attitudes and my things like that. But that's, my soul is who I am. And every one of you has a soul that is eternal, that's going to live somewhere forever. Every one of us. That's what's important. You know, the thing about church is, you know, we come in and we dress up the shell. And that's okay. I'm glad you did that. Some of you do a better job than others. Um, But, I mean, you know, we dress up the shell, and we put all the focus on the shell. Who you are is your soul. And that soul's going to live somewhere forever, and you need to think about that. That's why Jesus came, so that you could have eternal life, so that you could know that when you leave this world, your soul continues to live with God forever. This season is also about giving you know, for many of you, you know as well as I do, you know, when you're a little kid, it's all about what you get. As you mature, hint, it becomes about what you give, okay? You know, I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine a 55-year-old person just sitting there going, oh, I get it, you know, you look at him and go, you need to grow up a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, why? Because it's, we, we make it about what we give. As as you get older and as you mature, it's about what you give. And you know as well as I do, you get far more from giving than you do from getting. You get far more by pouring into somebody's life or helping somebody else or doing something for somebody else. I'm always thrilled this time of year because I have have some very generous friends. And I have friends who actually will come to me and say, hey, do you know of a family that we can do something for Christmas for? And so I'm able to go, hey, you know, you think about this family, or do it for this family, da, 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 da. And, and I've been privileged to be able to be around people like that. And, and they do it anonymously, and nobody knows where it came from, and it's awesome. And so, you know, those people, they're, they're thrilled to be able to do that. And it, this Christmas season, it's what Jesus did. He gave. He gave himself for you. He offers himself as your Savior in order to save you, to give you eternal life. That's what he does. It's a gift. And he takes great joy. It says, God so loved that he gave. But Christmas is also about receiving. You see, it's one thing to give a gift or be given a gift. It's another thing to accept it. Um, Let me illustrate this way. Let's say that for Christmas, my family decides that because I am so awesome, <clears throat> that they want to do something really special. So they go online and they find a 1973 MG midget that, I have one, but mine's not, mine's in the process of being restored. But they find one that has less than 10,000 miles on it. It's been stored in the south, and the guy drives it like 500 miles uh, every year, he just drives it every so often, all year long, to keep all the fluids going and everything else. Pristine condition, looks like it just came off the factory floor. Okay, so shh, quiet over there. So <laughs> let's say that they decide, all all five of them decide to get me that for Christmas, and they decide they want to present it very very well to me. So here's what they do: they go to Lynn and they say, Lynn, we want you to make a really special box for Dad. And inside the box, when he opens it up, we're going to have the car key for it. And then, he can, he, and then we will take him where the car is and he can drive it on Christmas Day. 
And so they're thrilled to be able to do this. They've worked so hard on this. They've saved their money. They've pinched their pennies. But they know they're de- I'm worth it, okay? <laughs> because they love me, okay? Everybody following the thing so far? I know we're like, oh, no, we went into fantasy land a long time ago. But you get the idea, okay? So on Christmas Day, we're sitting there, and, and they're all got around. They said, this is the last gift. Here it is. Here, Dad. And I open it up and I see the box. And I go, this is awesome. This is the most awesome box I've ever seen. Look at the craftsmanship on this box. And they're waiting for me to do what? But I don't open the box. All I do is talk about the box. And I come in Sunday, and I go, hey, let me show you what my kids got me for Christmas. Look at this box. And you're going, did you open the box? No, I don't want to open the box. Look at the box. The box is so awesome. The box is so neat. And they're sitting there going, he's an idiot. He's excited. We didn't have to buy him a car. We could have gotten him a box. And I'm running around, and I'm showing everybody this box. And I'm talking to everybody about this box. And I never, ever opened the box. Now, here's my question to you. How sad is that? Because they know what I'm missing out on, but I'm running around telling everybody about how great the box is. And yet they know if I would open the box, I could put a key into a car and be driving around and experience so much more. But I'm satisfied with the box. Here's what bothers me about Christmas season for most people. It's the time of the year that everybody talks about the box. And you find people who don't talk about Christ or Christianity or God or anything all year long. And now all of a sudden you hear them say, Merry Christmas. Jesus is the reason for the season. You know all the pet catchphrases that they say. But here's the difference. All they know about is the box. They don't understand what's on the inside. They don't understand that, that, that Jesus, where is this? The Jesus that they know is the Jesus that's wrapped in human flesh among us. This is the Jesus they know. They don't understand that Jesus is really God who wants a relationship with them every day of the week. And there is so much more to offer than just talking about the box. And what breaks my heart as we go to this season is there are people even in here You think Christmas is about the box. And you're missing the idea that it's about a personal relationship with the loving God who loved you enough to give his life for you so that you could have an abundant life here and an eternal life to come with him. But all you talk about is the box. And it's got to break the heart of God in heaven to look down to what he has offered and for people to miss the gift completely. Just like it would break their heart to think they went to all that expense, all that time, all that effort to do something phenomenal for me. And all I run around and talk about is a box. 
I want to challenge you to not miss what this Christmas season is about. It's not about Jesus who just walked among us. It's about Jesus who loved us, who gave his life for us, who came to understand us, who came to give his life and offer us eternal life with him forever. But if you don't receive it, all you know about is the box. And it is so important that you understand that Jesus came to be your Lord and your Savior and have a relationship with you. And if you don't have that, then you don't understand what this season is really all about. Yeah, the box is cool. It's not about the package. It's not about the wrapping. It's about what it represents and what's inside that makes a difference for us for all of eternity. And my prayer is for everyone in here that you have come to a place in your life where you have put your faith and trust in Christ alone. It's not about the church thing. It's not about all the stuff that everybody tells you about to work your way to heaven. It's about a personal faith and trust in Christ alone. That's real. That's what this season's all about. So it's my prayer that you don't miss that. It's our passion that you don't miss that. It's our burden that everyone in here walks out of here today knowing a relationship with Jesus Christ is what the season is all about, and they have that. And if you're here this morning and you don't, please, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, do this often. I do it from time to time, but if I have every head bowed, every eye closed, um, I'm going to close the service out with prayer, but before I do, I want to talk to everybody, and I want everybody looking at everybody. I want this just between you and God. But if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, it's fairly simple. I was a 16-year-old kid in Detroit, Michigan. All I did was bow my head, sat in a place just like you're sitting, and this is somewhat what I said. I said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior. And God, as best as I know how, I want you to forgive my sin. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want my life to be about you, not about me. And at that moment, as we read in John... I became a child of God, and it changed my life. And so in the quietness of this time, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Because there's no greater important thing today than that. Let's pray, Lord. <clears throat> it's easy for us to get sidetracked. It's easy for us to get caught up in so many things other than the fact that you gave your life for us. And Lord, for those here this morning that may have never understood it, Lord, may this feeble attempt make it clearer for them. May you work in their hearts to help them to understand that, Lord, they can walk out of here today knowing that they're your child because they have placed their faith and trust in you and you alone. Lord, for others who have put their faith and trust in you, Lord, would you help them to understand that this season represents you loving them and understanding them and knowing, Lord, that whatever they're going through, you've experienced. And that, Lord, you can help them and you can encourage them. And, Lord, they can get through it with you. Lord, would you use this time in our lives? And, Lord, as we go into Christmas and we get 
so caught up in all of the, the stuff that comes with it. May we keep the focus on you. And Lord, for those that we work with this week, may they be able to see Christ in us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may you be honored and glorified in our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen.